Dr. James K. Harris. Hi there, Dr. Nick Flores. How are you, friend? I'm well. I am so ready for the semester to be finished. I, yeah, oh, yeah. It's definitely that part of the term where it's just like, there's still more, you say? Oh, there's more. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. You, you know, I, I think about this often, well, as often as this point of the semester comes to fruition which is simply to say like um semesters are hella fucking long right uh i have friends and colleagues who have come out of the uc system in particular but they have quarters there and i've never been at an institution that does quarters like undergrad grad school now that i'm here never done quarters and you know at face value i don't know the like it just doesn't seem like enough time but then on another camp, the semester seems like too much time. So I'm just kind of like, what What the hell is going on? That's interesting. That's super interesting that you say that. My undergrad did do uh, quarters. And so we, or rather my undergrad did quarters for two years. And then we switched as every school in Ohio switched to semesters during like this big switch to semesters, what they called it. Because uh, <laughs> every school was kind of on their own crazy Ohio ass State. system. Yeah, and Ohio State was like, we want you all in our system. Uh, and mm -hmm. so we switched to semesters. Until then, though, we had been on quarters. And I I remember you take a lot more coursework, right? Like, because mm -hmm. you're they're whole classes. And so you're just doing like a third more of them than people who are on semesters. Mm -hmm. And so like you get to the end and you have a lot more exposure to things, uh, which I think is maybe good for undergrad. But like, you know, what do you learn in 10 weeks? Mm -hmm. True. Well, you are listening to Learning on the Job, wherein two recent-ish, that emphasis on the ish, every week, every passing minute, every passing second-ish, queer PhDs of color navigate and discuss the world of higher education. Uh, you know, we discuss all things related to uh, being on the tenure stream and, you know, the etiquette and uh decorum around faculty meetings and smiling nodding and nodding and politely smiling during you know the various meetings that we have to be a part of um blaming everything on zoom and the internet connection because honestly that's like really it um yeah call it a learning experience here we are oh, i liked it I liked it. It felt good. It felt right. It felt true. Oh, friend, it's almost the turkey time or whatever. But then before next I see you, we'll do, you know, the celebration of gratitude and colonialism mashed together. Genocide. Into one. Genocide. I remember. Do you remember? Did you ever watch The Addams Family when Wednesday Addams uh, is performing at that camp and she completely reverses the script of the play and is like... I don't remember the detail. I don't remember verbatim the details of like what she says, but it's something to the effect of like, you murdered my people and now we are going to murder you or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. It was just really great. And I watched it as a teenager or maybe even a preteen, not fully realizing what I was watching. And now as a grown adult who still really for the most part has no idea what's going on, 
appreciate it more now. And it's kind of, it, it's funny. Um, yeah. That's what I think of when, it, when this, when this time of year comes around. I think that's appropriate. I think that's appropriate. Um, I always, I don't know. I, I think, that the holidays are weird um but like this one always feels like a practice holiday like you're just sort of getting started and seeing how you feel about it and like you can sort of sit this one out if you want to so i'm sitting this one out sort of kind of i'm not going home this year um not not necessarily explicitly because of covid mostly just because i didn't want to have to go back to back home for holidays so i'm just going to do christmas instead uh but also like i just you know i i don't quite care enough about thanksgiving like i feel like i like the food and i like the tradition of it but like it just feels like it's it's a holiday on a thursday it's weird like everything about it is just kind of inconvenient and it's hard to not feel inconvenienced by it and so i was looking at my semester and like now there's just this like giant hole blown in the middle of it because we're not done like one of the nice things about being on quarters uh was that like we had our first quarter that like would end at thanksgiving and so you would leave for thanksgiving you're just done for the year and you didn't have to come back till january and so it was like there was a nice clean break of like we go away for thanksgiving and then we're just done and you can be done but this is like yeah no everybody's gonna leave and be gone for like half a week but then we have to come back for like two more weeks yeah so you know and, and, and to be sure nothing is clean and nothing breaks right um <laughs> not true at all the way the classroom works there is absolutely a point where i get to leave the, let these students leave and start grading new students and they get their grades and those grades are totalized things that can be done like, will they return to the information? I should hope. But like the class is a unit and the unit has a finite affinitude to it. And I like the idea that the unit has like some sort of logical consistency to its finitude. This just feels, especially in the CUNY system, like it is always so wildly arbitrary. Like we have these days we can't have class for whatever reason, because of political reasons, because of religious reasons, for whatever reason. And so like we have to plot those around and then we just end up with everything left in the middle. We just call it a semester and it doesn't really make any sense and there's nothing organic about it, but you know, we're riding it out. Every time we talk, I get more and more just elated by how much of the Kool-Aid you drink. And, you know, you are just <laughs> rationalizing within the irrational. I appreciate it. Thank you, James. <laughs> Look, I have to survive it. <laughs> Making it home. True. True that. Well, shall we begin with our first segment, Failing Better? I think we should, because if we ever try, then it seems we will ever fail. And fine, no matter. We'll try again. We'll fail again. We'll fail maybe better. Also, never tire of hearing you uh, quote that. So <laughs> what do we got on the docket this week? University of California. We've got our eyes on lecturers and the work they do and the incredible sacrifice they make so the college can continue to exist. And, you know, we've talked a lot about lecturers on this job, on this show, because um, it's, it is such a necessary job. And yet I, I, I find it so challenging from a moral perspective to support its continued existence because it is so sort of necessarily underpaid mm -hmm. and so like you know if you work in higher ed you're familiar with lecturers right that like 
one of the things, one of the great dirty secrets that most kids don't know when they're going to sign up for college is like all those fancy professors they tell you about on the website and shit. Yeah, they don't really teach classes. They're here to do research and whatnot. When you come in and you like take a class, the majority of your classes are going to be taught by grad students who are people that don't yet have their credentials or lecturers or people that are like not doing the kind of research work that you love or that the university loves to sort of put up on a platform and talk about, right? They're the people doing the trench work of actually teaching massive amounts of classes, these giant classes over and over again. Like they're the people doing the sort of like academic labor that the college needs done. And they get paid basically a fraction of what you would make if you were doing the exact same job as full-time faculty, right? And so like the challenge for lecturers is that they don't get to do a less job. They still have to be, they're still in an incredibly competitive market. There's still lots of people fighting to get lecturer positions. A friend of mine was telling me about, maybe I've said this before on the show, but a friend of mine works in a different CUNY college where they were having another CUNY two-year college and they had an open position for a lecturer. Uh, would you like to guess how many PhD in hand applicants applied to be a lecturer part-time at this college? college i'm going to guess a conservative 50 240 <gasps> oh. phd in hand like already done Ooh. with grad like 240 so like you know it's real out here that there it's a competitive job and they're and and it's yeah. it's absolutely shit as the pay is and the hours are and the sort of lack of benefits and there's no office space and all that it's still like yeah but you kind of you want to hold on to those because it's 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 a good gig it's better than nothing if you can get it i guess mm -hmm. um and so well, it's that it's so, very so, much a, oh. right part of part of part of it's so contingent labor right and this is this is arguably one of the biggest issues in higher education in the 21st century today is the bottom line rearing its ugly head and saying we are going to pay people who are credentialed um, the bare minimum and sometimes even less so in order for the classes to be taught uh, and then you know like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to people who, who likely already know this or who may find themselves or have found themselves in similar kind of contingent precarious positions. Um, but part of like the part of what is like really perverse about these types of contingent circuits is the necessity to kind of keep your name in the hat, so to speak, about other positions. Right. Because likely lecturers, depending on the institution, you know, are contracted kind of term limited contracted work. And so, uh, you know, you've always kind of got one foot out the door kind of mentality. And so, you know, institutions who are looking to hire tenure stream are looking at, you know, your CVs and are also noticing, you know, you not being at an institution um, and therefore kind of feeds into this, like, again, perverse circuit of like needing to have your name in the, in the kind of hat, so to speak. Um, which which kind of conditions kind of lecture positions right and it's like just really really sad because I I mean I have friends who have been in kind of or who have been in lecture positions for three four five six years right and have never been able to break into the kind of tenure stream market and like I mean that's just that's not okay um, and this you know again raises a much larger issue around uh, kind of around the production of PhDs by institutions who grant them knowing full well that these PhDs, though they're being professionalized to enter higher education and to 
land in kind of professorial positions are actually not right so there's this kind of disconnect right. and i mean like and the reality is we know mathematically that that wouldn't be possible that we are graduating out more people like mm -hmm. per individual subject area than there are new jobs per individual like even if they all like even if they had all the success they could have the success that is available is way below the amount of people that need it like there's just more of us PhDs in the world at this point and there are like academic jobs mm -hmm. and so the reality is that like yeah because colleges need lecturers and graduate students to do the academic labor they also need graduate students to take the kind of graduate seminars that they offer to faculty who are sort of like to research faculty that they're trying to recruit right when they want to tell you you'll teach but you don't have to like teach those little kids they give them grad students to teach and so like this is a really big boon in terms of being able to recruit in new research faculty and that's part of the reason they have graduate students we have a huge part of the reason they have graduate students is to up the research profile of the university but also really to do labor they need you there to teach they need you to teach pretty cheaply but like grad students don't teach a lot they they teach nowhere near as much as lecturers right and so like the reality is that like lecturers are the solution to the problem and what ends up happening is we just graduate out more and more phds and they add to the army of lecturers that we then have sort of hunger game style competing against one another one of the things this university of california system change changes is that it used to be the case that you had to be in the system for six years before you qualified to be a senior lecturer which mm -hmm. is insane like six years post phd of doing this job before you're allowed to be in the senior lecturer position is a long time to like semester to semester have to ask am i going to get any classes if so how many mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, because right, it's right. also the case that right they're on they're not necessarily on salary they get paid by the class and so like even if you are teaching that doesn't mean you're teaching enough to be making enough money precisely precisely and you know it, so i mean what we're saying and what we're hearing is it is in this instance a very small win so to speak of like not you know they're getting wait this is important uh because it's kind of impressive i think a 30 percent raise over wow. the next five years yeah. uh that will show up as seven percent a year um and uh pay paid leave paid family leave so like you know if you have a kid or like a life crisis you don't have to give up your job mm -hmm. uh and then like leave the lecture track for good after spending five years almost making it to senior status mm -hmm. uh so yeah there's some really good really important stuff in there and i think it's good and important and it really does highlight the value and the strength of unions um and the very, value and the strength of sort of like collective that. action very that very 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 that in, in a kind of way that union work you know um john oliver recently i don't know if you watch john oliver and this, i mean it, it 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 ties in because the most recent segment that i watched anyway was on unions in the united states and you know the the decline of people in unions since like the 1950s has is substantial um so much so that i think only about 10 percent of the u.s population workforce is a part of a union um and part of that is you know part part of part of those numbers include you know some of these 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 positions in higher education um so you know collective action collective bargaining striking as they were going to be doing you know is are, are still actions taken by entities who who hold you know 
the kind of means of production. So, yeah, you know, I mean, and it's, I think it's maybe that's a thing to keep in mind as like there are rumblings from corners of the internet that are never to be trusted about mm-hmm. the possibility of a general labor strike over Black Friday. I don't suspect that much will materialize, but I do suspect that wherever you see people walk off work, a news camera will show up to report on the general labor strike. And while it may not be big, right, there does seem to be like a renegotiation underway about how quickly we abandon labor rights as a premise and as an important I mean you know blame Reagan but like Mm. or rather blame the country that voted for him so aggressively twice and that continues to live support the sort of whatever's going down in Florida and Texas right I mean like you know union busting among people who have nothing but like could stand to benefit so much from unions is sort of it's the what's the matter with Kansas problem, I suppose. Mm. But this isn't that. This is a success story sort of couched yeah. inside of maybe the more meta problem of like, but do we really want to get better at building an army of lecturers? Right, 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 right. Because that's what it cuts through to ultimately, right? Right. Is, is, like at the end of the day, we're is, making lecturing a slightly more doable job. And I don't know if that's the solution. The goal, right. Because there's all the other problems with lecturing that is not, that are not like, I that I always feel anxious about saying, because, you know, we're in the tenure position and it's like, we're not, we're not saying those people are in any way inferior. We're saying like, they're actually like being asked to do the exact same job we're asked to do in a lot of ways. And like being sort of like hamstrung or sort of incapacitated in their ability to do so. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think that as we continue in, can continue on in the tenure stream, I mean, it is it is difficult um, to, um, at least for me, because I'm not far removed from the contingent labor force myself. I was a visiting assistant professor, you know, for a year in between I landed this position. And had it not been for whatever stars aligned to make this happen for me to be here, I was ready to pivot out of the academy, right? And I was ready to like not even like to just throw my talent full stop because of how awful the working conditions can be. And you know, experiencing the kind of the nice gestures of thank you for your work, but also that doesn't translate into a livable wage, right? You know, insurance, met all of the things that I now right. am reaping. Um and so, you know, certainly a small win, but again, I think you, in your always and ever astute observation, you know, is it that we want a, a, a bigger army of lectures? No, I don't think so. And so we should, you know, not, not simply be cautious, but really, you know, think about how to transform the institution itself. Because I think you and I are both not only sympathetic to that, but are also willing to you know, be a part of those not conversations, but actions too. Um, at least Certainly. I am. So Certainly, yes. Yes, whatever help we can be, I'm happy to be. And in the interim, I will cheer on this raise because I can't, if they're giving these people 30% raises, I shudder to think what they were paying them before to live in California. Also that, my gosh, I, I have a, a few colleagues here in the department currently who are coming in from California. And I mean, just it to, to talk about rent 
with them. And they live in the Bay Ugh. Area, like the Bay land. That area. one makes me and feel so, a little better. Those are the only people oh. I will talk to about rent. Cause like, it's not Bay Area bad here yet. Give us about five more years, we're getting there. But like, yeah, my God. It is grotesque. It is gratuitously it's violent. What yep. people are paying, but also demanding in terms of rent in that part of the yep. world. It is ridiculous. But anywho, so yeah, you you know, so we stand with the lectures and we will in whatever way we can um support but also assist in an endeavor to um and this this makes me think, um, there are several there are several kind of positions at U of I that are unionized. The faculty are not unionized, like they are at CUNY. Um but they, there are union uh, positions here at, at U of I that are not faculty. So this makes that me makes wonder sense. if like, if the kind of lectures or visiting assistant faculty or specialized faculty, as, as I think what the title is here, are unionized. And this makes me, make me, makes me wonder. And so I'm going to have to do a little bit more research myself to, to figure that out. So, hmm. The grad students oh. are unionized. I know that much here at U of I. Good for them, because right. my God, right? that would have been nice. No, seriously. I mean, and you don't. You don't realize it until you, you have it. it. Or, exactly. Yeah. Or, or like, until you see it and it kind of play out like the kind of benefits, right? I mean, certainly the kinds of things you didn't know you were allowed to ask for. Like, wait, 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 I can I can have paid time off when my family's sick. Like, I don't have to, like, go bankrupt to take care of my mom. But that's an option. Mm -hmm. Yes, friend, that was always an option. Well, uh, to failing better. Indeed. Shall we jump into our disingenuous arguments for the week? For the, oh, for yes. the episode? We've got, yes, we've I got think a few. We shall. We've got a few. I think we shall. And, you know, as a reminder for our dear listeners, the disingenuous arguments section is wherein we take the time, oh yes, the time, to either deconstruct or, you know, unpack these various straw man arguments that are like just seem so bountiful across the internet these days um and also seem to be gaining some kind of traction right so um cancel culture being a, a primary example which of course we are going to be diving in here today um or the idea that higher ed is run by liberals right Ooh, the stories we've got today right so here we've got the time we've got the muff time today to sit with otherwise ridiculous things that we see tweets of and just feel like we don't have the time for. No, we make the time today. So disingenuous arguments. James, will you lead us off and we can jump right into the ridiculousness? Or, I mean, I can, you know. Well, okay, so where do you want to start? Because I think Let's the start quicker with the of them might be, yes. Yeah. Yes. Biden? Yes. Soon I think, Absolutely. I think, I think we're here. Okay, so... For those of us living in the United States, a recent $2 trillion spending bill uh, was passed in the House. Um, it is, you know, up in the air whether or not it will pass out of the Senate and then actually make it to Biden's tiny little desk to sign. But it excluded, uh. and I it, it pains me, really, excluded student loan forgiveness. Now, I don't, I, I, I'm not drowning in debt. No debt is good debt, right? I, I, I am of the persuasion. No debt is good debt. 
Um, even though many of the financial lenders and firms in the United States will tell you, oh, it's good to have some debt, right? Like, good. You, this, <laughs> yeah, these types of debt are good. Of it's like, no, fuck that mess and fuck that perverse logic. Um, so I, I have student loans. I'm not drowning in it. I, 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 I think I can, I'm setting up a plan that by the age of 40, I will hopefully be student loan forgiven or done with mine. And uh, it was excluded from this recent um, bill, but it was very much a part of the rhetoric and a part of the plan for Biden and Ms. Harris, Madam Vice President Harris, when they were running on, you know, and we're not naive and we're not dumb. And we know that politicians will say whatever the hell they have to say in order to garner the types of energy and attention and votes, right, to, to get elected to office, but also in kind of full context, right? It was that or whatever the hell else, else this fever nightmare was of the past, like, you know. I guess, years. I guess, okay. Yes, to, yes, to, yes, to all of that. Very helpful. Thank you. It's not that I'm not naive. I'm, I am not naive, certainly. But I, I do, a little part of me, maybe it, a little part of me believes that like, the things that Obama said he wanted to do when he was running were things that he actually did want to do. Whether or not it was ever going to be politically feasible for those things to happen, I don't doubt that they are things he genuinely believes should be done. I look at Joe Biden, and it is not clear to me that the things he said he wanted to do during the campaign are actually things he believes in or believes are good things. Like, I don't think he's being stopped from doing this. There is no one stopping him but him. Like this could be unilaterally done in a country that unilaterally went to a 20 fucking year long war that cost us thousands of lives and untold dollars. Like we could do this if we wanted to. We have stroke of the pen power to ruin people's lives every day. We mm -hmm. use it all the time. One of the first things he did as president was bomb the shit out of some brown people. So I'm tired of hearing that he doesn't have the capacity or bandwidth to do it. It's very clear that he doesn't give a shit. And so the idea that we're supposed to somehow trot out a machine to pretend we want to defend the Democratic Party from the consequences of its own shitty behavior and lying next year when the idiots come to take over the country. Like, it sucks that this is where we are. They're like, you are indefensible. And because you are an indefensible, spineless idiot, you're now going to be run by the worst version of dumb Nazis. Mm. And all you had to do was not lie about student loans. If you didn't want to do it, you shouldn't have said you wanted to do it. And it literally like topping out what are we topping out now in terms of like student loan debt like 1.9 trillion dollars i think is what the most recent uh, <laughs> money that we owe to who for right, what for like the, who get for, exactly like it's imaginary like right and also it's that's the all other thing. imaginary it's, that's the other thing is like it, we understand and i think that for better or for worse the pandemic has really crystallized and really clarified for a lot of people the ridiculousness of like money and capital as it circulates and the value placed on it, especially by people who have it and those who do not. Right. Um, we see this in the in the various industries where wages, you know, were astronomically low and are now being increased. And it is because we know that companies can. Um, 
but to not get too far off topic, it's like, it's all, it's all imaginary. And really, it is as simple as I think you've just articulated, James, a stroke of a pen could eliminate all of this debt. And you know, I think when we were talking about this about a year ago, it must have been right or or, or since or, the show we has were started. talking about we were talking about how oh, we would be happy with you know, 20,000 or 10,000. And we knew that number would be cut drastically, yep. but we didn't know, or rather, the possibility of it being cut entirely from a bill of this magnitude. I mean, just, truly, just at this point, a, it's a, unfortunate. it's a nominal gesture. Like at this point, it is a gesture you could make to us as a society because this number represents an entire generation of people who like have contributed at least as much to America as the banks that got their own multi-trillion dollar bailout like and not that long ago. And continue to get them. Like, right. or the fucking airline industry that got a $50 billion bailout, even though they are terrible and we all collectively agree that they suck at what they do. Like the amount of times that we go, no, 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 big business, you're this, we've done this exact thing before. And so like, all I want to say about this is that the disingenuous argument here is the idea that Joe Biden doesn't understand, the Democrats don't understand what's heading their way if they can't figure this out. And, you know... What do you mean? I'm and of curious. course they'll blame I'm, I'm black people. Of course that. they'll blame oh, black people. Black of course people. they'll. Oh, it's already sure. started. Like it's our but, fault because we don't vote enough, or because we turn we lurched right because they were offering guns, or you know they'll come up with some narrative that isn't just like you said you do one fucking thing. We asked for one. Literally, the only thing we cared about. Well, I guess two things: make Trump not be president anymore, and also this student loan thing. Get it under control. That, it's, I mean. Th- our generation, the millennials, and soon to be the Gen Zers are, you know, I mean, as, as, as a young adult now who has access to a livable wage and, you know, is, is pitting that against all of the kind of loans and the things that I did. I went into credit card debt in order to survive <laughs> the past like few yep. years before coming to the U of I. And I'm only now starting to like, make a significant dent on that and like you know and it's wild too because fuck and we're fuck success a, fuck stories an economic, and, and fuck an economic institution because all they wanted to do was raise my credit limit and it's like no like please no <laughs> stop like don't do it like and but but the kind of uh imagine the dreams and the kind of uh, ima- the fan- it, the real fantasies at this point because, yeah, I don't and I won't be able to do a lot of what I think, not even that I should do or that I even necessarily want to do, like buy a home and that kind of thing. But I can't imagine, I've never lived a life where finances has ever not overdetermined every single action I make and I still live in that. And, you know, growing up working class, and living in poverty during grad school, basically, and pretending I didn't because I got a credit card, uh, <laughs> a move, right? Like financial literacy, you know, didn't really have. And I'm only starting to learn some of the basics now in my ripe old age of 32. It's disgusting. And I, I don't know that I will ever have a life, right? Like wealth, right? And generational wealth. Like, I don't know that I will ever be wealthy. And I don't know that that's the aim, 
um, because it only it merely reproduces the exploitative capitalism under which we live currently. But also, you know, I would like to be able to help my mom and my even my dad and my family out, you know, more than I have been able to because of everything that they've gifted me and done for me. But it's like, oh, I have to pay off these loans first. Oh God, I gotta like, you know, get my credit right. And fuck credit, like, God damn. Like it just, it, every part of it is just so annoying. And you know, they always tell you too, they being lenders and or institutions where you're like attempting to make a big purchase. It's like, well, your student loans are there, but like, we really don't pay attention to that. But like, it's like, bitch, I do. Like, <laughs> I don't wanna be like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and I'm not, right? Like to be sure, I am not. I have friends who went to undergrad, private institutions, who straight up took out over $100,000 for a BA. And I'm like, yep. baby girl. We were all told to do it. Oof. We were all told to do it. Oh, I, we were I, all told I, to I do cannot. it. I cannot. Even as the price of tuition kept going up and up and up, they just kept increasing the amount of loans they would give us. And and Ooh. now we are all here. Well, And we graduated so, with degrees that we're never going to pay six-figure starting salary. And also, we are the success story, James, right? Like, we landed yep. in the tenure stream. Like, yep. And I'm learning, I oh, I am learning that even my base salary is not even comparable to what my colleagues in other departments are making. And I'm oh, like, now when livid. I learned about like the Ooh. econ salaries, Ooh. I I had to take the day off. I had to go home. It was not a pleasant day for me. I didn't realize that this was also true though in grad school, that like the engineering grad students made significantly more than we they, did. They have like a very base, they, they, they're not living in poverty. Like, yeah, at all. no, they're, like, they're, they're not especially not by Ohio standards. Like, they're all. doing fine. Right, right. No, I... Yeah, no, I went to an engineering grad student's apartment one time and I was just like, the fuck? Are your parents rich? <laughs> it's like, nah, I just, this, this is, is what they, stipend. don't they, is, that's your stipe, huh? Oh, that's what's up. Mm. Cool, 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 cool. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Heard. Mm -hmm. So well, we're probably not going to get anything useful out of this president until we uh, get a new president. But that's okay, because this was always going to be a placeholder president. And I can only hope that he never planned to run for re-election. I don't, I think I this maybe I haven't announced. said before. He's going to be 86. Okay. That's not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that happen. We simply won't let that happen. I, I, I would vote for Bernie Sanders over that. If we're just going to let the oldest white man in the universe be in charge, I want a different one. Uh, here we are. Hmm. Well, so that's a uh, nightmarish and not great. Um, and I'm genuinely undone by the idea that he thinks I would vote for him again. Why does he think that? Okay. No, no, he doesn't. This won't happen. Listen, Have listen, you, girl. you know, that's also whole, on the list of things that are not going to happen, though. Also on the list of things that are not going to happen, but are to me. currently Give happening. Me. Give it to me. University of Austin. Can, we talk about the university? Can someone uh, please tell me what is going? The what's hell going is on going at University on? of Texas Austin? UT Austin, guys, explain yourselves. Right. Um, excuse me. This is not us. This is this is unaffiliated. I know she tried. I know they tried it. They wanted that name to look real familiar, but this is not us. We did not do this. My ever loving insert expletive here. My gosh. If I knew it was so easy to just create an institution, an online, 
an online website? Baby it's girl, a website. I would. It I is would though. Squarespace has been running ads for how long? <laughs> Seriously, we need some. We need some ad space in in, in our podcast. Um, <laughs> Just call up Squarespace, Squarespace. and you too can start the <laughs> University of where not University of Arizona. There we go. They're not even like paying us for that, but you know. Get that's affiliate. basically all. Can we talk about it? Can we talk about it just for? Okay, so, <sighs> quote: This is on their website, the University of Austin, and I can't believe we were even giving them lip service. But like, how could we not discuss the ridiculousness? I mean, what are of okay. what are they selling? I don't. On, uh, th this is their tagline <laughs> on the front with what seems to be a portrait of like some either Michelangelo or da vinci painting in the back of like antiquity and in this really and it sucks because i think that the typeface is garamone that it's typed in and i love garamone it's a very handsome font anyway it says quote we're building a university dedicated to the fearless pursuit of truth girl what like is that not what we're all <laughs> doing uh, is that not like what we are uh, is that friend. not what is they've got they've got keywords here right they've got the keywords here and they've got them in some type of sentence form um would you like to join me over on the what makes uatx different that's what they're calling themselves udux um what does make udux different a commitment to freedom of inquiry. Uh, a new financial model. Now, I want to spend a little time with this. Uh, we're completely rethinking how a university operates by developing a novel financial model. We will lower tuition by avoiding costly administrative excess and overreach. We will focus our resources intensively on academics rather than amenities. We will align institutional incentives with student outcomes. So Khan Academy, it's a Khan Academy. It's a, it's a, you click it's on it's like masterclass. yeah Khan Academy. well no 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 trump university pretended to be accredited didn't they i think so yeah you're right i mean they right. had like classes you're right. You're, right. you're right you had to like go to a building and take a class this is truly just like watch these videos it's masterclass. this is a website this is a website they built a website they built a, so why do i what what is this so university of texas is gonna be so incensed that I keep making this mistake, but also that's what they wanted. Let's let them have it. Uh, University of Austin was announced on the substack of that girl that used to work at the New York Times, Barry Weiss. When I tell you, I, I've heard such fun stories about Barry Weiss and someday when we're together in an in-person conference over drinks, I will share them with you because, <laughs> but like all you need to know really is that Barry Weiss self-canceled from the New York Times because nobody likes her. And then she went and got on Substack where she found it buckets and buckets of people who wanted to listen to her complain about how hard it is to be a conservative white person. Uh, and so she collected a bunch of her also canceled academic friends. Uh, and together they are speaking out for freedom of the press or something. Um, girl, it's, girl, who knows? It, here's the thing about all these people. They have a platform from which they make lots of money. Like none of these people, I mean, they're what, what is this? So like, if you go down the list, it is, I mean, just the who's oof. who of just, uh, oof. just in their board of advisors in their 
it's I, I mean it's genuinely embarrassing andrew sullivan is in the gang uh it's just it's that re- is just <laughs> e gordon <sighs> Yee is still on the board of advisors on the website even though even though he had to come out publicly as you shared with me before james of saying like no 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 no, no. sorry guys that's virginia because he's currently the president of yeah. university of yeah. west virginia with this his eight hundred thousand dollar base who was the former president while you and i were at ohio state of ohio state before yeah. being let go Ooh. the former president of ohio state who's now over at west virginia university making as you pointed out eight hundred thousand dollars a year is joining the we've been canceled for our ideas bus if if this isn't if this isn't just like red flag central of the worst and okay so more and more i am realizing and you've mentioned this and and i think it came to a head during the most recent election cycle um the the national election cycle is like we're literally living two different realities right that that people for whom these types of names suggest a kind of beacon of hope right are committed to this these ideas of truth seeking in a perverse ridiculous way that is again conditioned by the reality in which we live of like institutional racism sexism inequity within healthcare within higher education right like what like what worlds do you like what ideas what practices what modalities do you have to inhabit to just be so not only complicit but like have full faith right in in this type of endeavor it is disgusting and i think history the history books hopefully will show how fucking ridiculous this is and to be a fly if flies exist at that time on the wall of that like lecture in the history like guys okay so we're, we're, this this week is going to be like a light week because we're going to talk about the thing that they did in 2021 get this get this you had you had a group of like canceled people and remember class we talked about cancel culture and how that was a thing way back when and really it was just like a way for racist white supremacists to kind of charade about and to be upset with like having to reckon with their like white supremacy, right? Like, um, among other things, among many other things, but that kind of being the, 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 the nodal point in the web. And they thought that they could get together and build a website and masterclass style, like the, they were just going to tell us institution that, that they, that they, they genuinely thought that they were the beacon the apex of like higher education at the moment because they were responding to the context out of which they emerged jesus christ so Mm. so this is self-evidently a grift because like duh it's i mean like i'm i think i'm surprised that the word university doesn't carry some kind of legal like obligations behind it i mean i feel like are you allowed just like call you're doing a church and like you could just say that i mean aren't there rules are there rules i don't know i mean again i feel like this is a 
Let's start yeah, a church. That seems, well, that, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's as difficult. Because I am to is. church as this is to university. <laughs> uh, we've got some really good for for any listener out there who is about to take the 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 what is the grad school GREs the GREs. Ugh. This is a nice little you know question analogy for you. James is to church. Or what did you say? I, I yes, I am to church as University of Austin is to, to real school. Yeah, like Ooh. I can run a, if that's what a university is. Can I do? Can, are there not? Okay, so to be clear, they are not accredited because duh, they, they have well, okay, no faculty so, okay. well, because no faculty, duh, no they have campus, no, ha- no curriculum. Body. They have no student body. They have like this is this is a website. From which a bunch of people who have other websites where they talk about how they've been canceled for their ideas share their ideas. Do they have ideas other than I was canceled? Or is it just that 15 times? Let's roll the footage. Nope, I mean, they Because like, <laughs> I, I don't... I roll the footage. What, and so they have a page. The grift is just them asking you for money. And I genuinely don't like they have a page that says support us. And it says support us. Other universities have a, other universities, just all of them, I guess, have abandoned the core mission of higher education, the pursuit of truth. Not sure that is the core mission of higher education, but whatever. Uh, we are reclaiming it with your help. Every dollar counts. To what? Every dollar what? What do you want? How? How is that legal? Texas. Well, okay, but also let us not also be blind to the fact that, you know, the people who write the laws are also the people who benefit from them. And so we know who is behind, you know, much of these local state and even federal strictures, right? So legally, I imagine that they are probably doing every doing everything that their kind of stricture, their kind of legalese allows, which is not to say that it's like wrong or dumbfounded or just plain dumb, because I, I think it is. Um, but it's it's like, of course it makes sense that a bunch of like canceled white people would be like let's like let's let's start school god because we're not getting paid by the institutions that used to pay us anymore so um we can be a beacon for hope and truth and pursuit yeah it's Oh, oh God, I didn't know. And then I did know in my heart. I knew, sorry, I clicked on the founding trustees because somehow I got this far without knowing that motherfucking Niall Ferguson is one of the founding trustees. (sighs) Niall Ferguson truly is the shorthand for this is what stupid people think smart people sound like. Like he is the definition of, oh, you're white and British. So they let you say the dumbest shit in the world. All right, bro. What, like, that's what this is. Additionally, I mean, to as part of their board of advisors, we ran, we, you know, we discussed the story about the MIT lectured uh, U of I faculty, Dorian Abbott, who is also listed as a board of advisors to University of Austin. Um, to get a sense of 
the type of people for whom this type of website, you know, is a landing page for. So who knows? It just, it's just, ugh. David Mamet agreed to, I guess he's an asshole. I'm just genuinely disappointed that we allow these people to be part of society. Um, That's not how society works. Fine, whatever. They can do what they want. And honestly, this is a website. I think the disingenuous argument here, obviously, is all the, the bullshit about them having been canceled or being a source of academic freedom, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, so, none of that. So, but okay, really, so, the, the, but, the most disingenuous part is that this is a university because it is a or, website. Right. Or that, it, that it's claiming the heading as such. Um, because this is a website, not a particularly a web- good one. It's just a website. Honestly, Squarespace. It's yeah, it's a it's a basic bitch template. <laughs> This is not no. a great advertisement. Okay, okay, okay. But but also like okay, so I want to sit just very briefly before we take a break. Um the way the, the, so so the way that academic freedom that I think we've talked about it. The, the, no, the way that we have talked about it, not I think, the way that we have talked about it on this podcast versus it being manipulated and kind of contorted in such a way that like this is really the world that we're living in, right? That 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 different camps that are living in very different realities are using the same phraseology, the words, the rhetorical strategies to their own ends too, right? And I think that this 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 um this is a really fascinating kind of conjecture if we were to draw on Gramsci's formulation of conjecture a la Gramsci, right? Of the ways of hegemony working itself out in this kind of really perverse way right because we're using because we're all using the same language but it but it's towards different ends and so the multiple meanings and the meaning making strategies by the different camps i think is utterly fascinating right and and just as a kind of observational kind of meta stance is really you know on the one hand, like, wow, this is to- like, we've been talking about this for decades, like literally read Stuart Hall, um, the, the, the Birmingham school, literally read their work, but also like, what are we, how is this happening? Or, not, not, how is this happening is answered, I think, because it's playing out. More interestingly, the, the, the accrued power with which it is now marking itself in the world is 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 for us i think not just a moment of pause but we really got to we got to be strategic moving forward i think i think because this could be i think you become something right this could be i think you're absolutely onto something i think you're absolutely onto something i think like it's of a piece with a larger sort of like words are ideas right and like or rather words are sort of the ways in which we communicate ideas and ideas can't ever really be killed um and so they and so i think that like oftentimes what ends up happening is they sort of get redeployed politically by people who want to take on the value of those ideas without necessarily engaging the meaning of them which is how you get like anti-vaxxers screaming about my body my choice it's like there's a there's a strategic redeployment of the language of sort of like whatever used to be the opposition as now that is your position that mm-hmm. seems to be a part and parcel of what conservatism has become right 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 yeah i mean the uh, 
Gosh, yeah. No, I'm, like we asked for intellectual I'm, freedom so that we could study how America is not the perfect place. And what they came up with was the intellectual freedom to stay at their university jobs and then also start a website where they say racism's all day for money. Here we are. And hey, okay, I get, I mean, hey, <laughs> words mean things, or maybe they don't. Hmm. I mean, but honestly, I think you're right that it could end up being a much bigger, like, I think it could be a thing. I mean, I think that the university as it currently stands is uh, is absolutely, like, falling apart. And so the question of what will replace it is an well, open one. And, and this is absolutely right. one option. And so and so part of and part of why I think I'm wanting to meditate or not even meditate because I'm not I, I, I need to think much more about this. But I think that the thought process as it is unfolding between you and I currently is you know, part of part of what strikes me is the Gordon Gee thing, right? Because I remember going to Ohio State. Actually, I believe the first semester that I was at Ohio State was the first semester that they transitioned to quarter systems. I mean, I'm sorry, from quarter systems to semesters. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost certain that that I was think that's in, true because that would have been my second year, the fall of 2012. And, I, you know, I didn't understand then and I very don't really much understand now but anyway so but the pa like the kind of social capital that that man had on campus right and the the kind of upset student when he was basically forced to resign because of comments that he had made um at whatever you know meeting that he'd had and had to like kind of backtrack on but the kind of power, right? And I mean, we talked about this because I don't remember this, but apparently there was a there was a time when students, and particularly aimed at kind of I think undergrads, right, could like win. Oh yeah, no, this was an on. Him. There were ongoing fundraisers where you would like sign up to win a breakfast pancake breakfast with Gordon Gee, and like his whole thing is he wears bow ties, and there were like little cartoons of him in a bow tie. He was like a he was a mascot. Character. He was a character. Absolutely, I mean, and they are, and they are, and, and presidents. I mean, by and large, I think are certainly. However, but or rather yes. in addition to this. I think that with someone like him, who is on board, who you and I know because we have like directly encountered and experienced the kind of fandom around him, right? And the kind of unmitigated and kind of like sheepishly faithful people along his side. And I've encountered those people here when I say... When I say I've been, you know, I went to Ohio State for, for grad school, people are like, oh, did you see Gordon, did you know Gordon Gee? Did you ever get to like meet him? And like, that's honestly one of the first things people will ask me sometimes. And I'm like, uh, he was there, but then he wasn't there. Like, I don't know. I never, I don't know. Um, so, so the, cause the people, I mean, obviously I think the people who we've named who are on the board of advisors or the faculty fellows or, you know, the founder, right, like are themselves a kind of linchpin for that camp of conservatism, right? But I didn't realize Gordon Gee, or and maybe this is me being naive, right? Like for, for Tim to throw his name behind it also I think means that there will be support, right? Um, that I follows. I, and so I think I am. Um... Like, it's like, you know, cautious. It's like, okay, yeah. so no, this, this could actually, you know, this, this, this could actually materialize into something that who knows what the hell it will look like or, you know, the, the contours of it, but, it, but it, it has traction. I mean, Elon Musk is also starting a school, Institute of Technology out in Texas. 
Like, I think that the future of the university is absolutely up for grabs, and there is no reason to believe that it will be won by people who share any of our investments. Mm. Um, and so, you know, yeah, keep an eye on it. Certainly. Shall we take a break? I think we're yeah. we're break time. I think it's time. Yeah. Did you ever watch Doug? Of course I did. There, and like, yeah, there was all of those. I, I feel like all of the music was just someone's, uh, what is it called? Um, scatting? Scatting. Mm-hmm. It has a very 90s sort of, yes. Yes. It's a very 90s cartoon. Also, Skeeter, the best friend of Doug, who was obviously black, was blue. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> I I wonder though, cause like was it Roger Black, and he was green. I don't I don't. Maybe they were Roger, both I black, think... and black people can be different colors, and that's very even more progressive than we knew. Good for Doug. Yeah, good for Doug. I did I did enjoy Doug. I I really did. Um, it's a great show. It, but it was also like a show about nothing. Oh, you know, absolutely. It was, it was like, sh- they had non-problems. I think the biggest was thing was that time the dog bit somebody. Patty Mayonnaise. Can we talk about Patty Ugh. Mayonnaise? Oof. What a name. <laughs> what a name. And then what was the dog's name who was also... Porkchop. Porkchop. Oh, Porkchop. Covering memories. Yeah. Uh, are any of them in the... You know, there's a new... Super Smash Brothers has spawned a new like series of like we won't call them clones because they're doing their own thing but nickelodeon has their own version nickelodeon all-star brawl that's like super smash brothers but with nickelodeon characters and i don't no know if way. any of them are doug characters but they do have like ah real monsters and like oh, i miss them the wild hey, thornberries hey arnold. hey arnold i think hey arnold and helga are both in it uh, and i recently saw they're making another that. one that is the Warner Brothers universe that somehow, I shit you not, smashes together like Steven Universe, Adventure Time, and Arya, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. Along with like a ton of other different, all the properties they own. Just threw them together in a battle game. Good for them. I'm it ought to be very weird. I'm not a gamer, but I have plenty of gamer friends. So the likelihood of me encountering these one day is actually very high so i'm excited about it i'm excited about it i'm excited about it well friend we have you know approached the end of the podcast wherein you and i pose the last few segments as questions and i think i'm going to you know throw the first one over to you and ask what you're reading Oh, I am, well, reading a bunch of stuff because I'm, you know, working on this, the working on a chapter for the book project. Uh, and so this chapter that I'm working on is about sort of like speculative fiction. And it felt like a really good time to pick up a book that I've had sitting on my shelf for about a year now and have never actually gotten a chance to sit down and read. Uh, finally getting into Sammy Shock's Body Minds uh, Reimagined, mm. which is all about disability, race, and gender in Black women's speculative fiction. It is... Uh, I mean, it's it's great. I'm just working my way through the intro now, and she's just such an incredibly thoughtful thinker of bodies and embodiment and how sort of like, specifically, I'm interested here in her work on Octavia Butler. Uh, and her readings of Butler are, um, yeah, she might she might be one of the best readers of Butler out there. And I say that as someone with a Butler article out. Love that. Yeah, I'm, 
Um, the notion of body mind is one that I have more recently been encountering, and so I'm I'm relooking at this, and I need to also get this book. So it's pretty you. damn good. Um, because it just seems so apropos of so many of the conversations that I that I'm having. Um, it's pretty damn good, and she's an absolute Twitter joy. So if you need a follow, go for I it. I need a follow for sure. More black feminist thought in my feed as always and it looks like absolute some, like, twitter joy interviews and podcasts so i think i'm gonna start there first um she did a clags event with uh oh margo <laughs> oh no no margo wise yes thank you my god thank you i was gonna say margo wesley and i was like no no margo that's wise. the school not the person i love margo's is why he's work leather snm cultures of the bay remain yeah, yeah. shout outs fascinating to me that girl ruben's work you know so wait wait wait. i'm curious about this 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 clags event what was that i think it was just a talk about sammy shock's work with between sammy and margo oh fascinating i have there's a link to it that i'm sure i can look up i won't promise to drop it in the show notes here but if i can find it i will it's somewhere in the clags youtube channel oh wait actually it's funny i'm actually already following her i'm looking hmm Hmm. Hmm. Friend, what you reading? So I have been um, consumed in HIV literatures <laughs> these days because I too am working on various chapters and updating kind of a historical part of the book manuscript. And there was a recent memoir account telling semi-academic text by Peter Staley, uh, who was really involved with ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, um, and his more recent book that came out in October called Never Silent, ACT UP and My Life in Activism, is one that has finally arrived to my bookshelf and is one that I'm kind of sitting with because Peter Staley is still alive with us and very much a part of the conversation and dialogue with you know, current chapters of ACT UP, but also um, around PrEP and the uh, kind of conversations that I'm having kind of in the research. And so, yeah, just to kind of hear from that perspective. Um, and, you know, we're approaching December. December 1st is World AIDS Day. And, you know, there's always been kind of concerted efforts among various organizations to bring attention to AIDS uh, globally and uh, you know I'm going to be a part of an event soon um, with a scholar here uh, a retired emeritus faculty Paula, Paula A. Trickler whose work was kind of foundational to my own understanding you know really emerges out of that cultural studies um, work so I'm also rereading parts of that Paula Trickler's um, How to Have Theory and Epidemic and you know she's actually someone who I've had conversation with um, drinks and dinner with and so it's really kind of cool um to now kind of be in conversation with her so really steeped in that that kind of some of these literatures um but also realizing like you know there's not a lot there's not a there needs to be more people of color you know and i think that that's happening now and i'm going back to some of the kind of text before peter Staley and even paul trickle at the time but you know there's there's not, it's not that there's a lack of conversation around race um, and ethnicity, but, you know, I want to 
kind of further explore and contribute to those to those ideas. So that's what I'm I'm reading Peter Staley's work and, and revisiting Paula Trickler's work, um, in preparation Super for cool. yeah, not only teaching but just kind of some some things. And we'll 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 put my event in the show notes too. Ooh, yes we will. Second. Yes we will. December second. I love it. Ah. Uh, that's super cool. And yay for new chapters or revi revised versions of old chapters. Um, friend, mm -hmm. what you thinking? Uh, right now, so the, you know, the, the, the last part of the semester is upon us. And here at U of I at Urbana-Champaign, we have an entire week for fall break. So uh, the, that is about to come you know in the, in the next few days and one of the things that i've been thinking about because i have finally got several people to help me is i'm going to make some tamales this <gasps> fall break and i'm really I'm excited so and i'm excited to make some and to you know share them because you don't just make you know yeah no what you need yeah. it's it's an, it's a whole process and you gotta freeze those yeah. Um, well, I oh mean, God, I, have, so I definitely have plenty of friends and colleagues who will gladly take them. Um, and so I'm excited about that, about making tamales. And it reminds me of home because I'm also not traveling home for Thanksgiving uh, this year. And instead of just kind of going to do what I, I feel like I do every <laughs> kind of Thanksgiving break is just catch up on work. Right. Very much like yeah. you know I did when I was in grad school or like an undergrad, like just use that time to like catch up. So you know, you're going to do that, but also making time to make some tamales with some dear friends and, you know, eat those and probably do a small Friendsgiving. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking about food and I'm thinking about like family. Uh, the recipe that I have for tamales is one of my grandmothers um, who passed away. So, you know, it's always a nice time to reconnect with the ancestors, um, so to speak. So, you know, I'm excited about Word. about about that. So, what about you? What are you friend? What are you thinking, friend? First of all, that sounds delicious. I'm very jealous. Um, I am thinking about a couple things. Uh, it's my niece's, let's say, seventh birthday. Uh, this up uh, actually, her birthday's on Thanksgiving. Um, so that'll be oh, cute. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so that'll be good. It'll be good. I'm not. I'm not going to see her, but I'm sending her a gift, and so I'll you know FaceTime or whatever. Uh, but just thinking about the fact that my niece is seven and I'm getting old. Um, so that the passage of time and whatnot. Uh, Thanksgiving. This will be, I think, not my first Thanksgiving alone, but like one of a very small handful of Thanksgivings I spent alone. My partner is going home with his family. Um, and I really like, I just didn't want to do both holidays. Like it's not, I'm not mad at anybody. It's not a personal. I just didn't want to do back-to-back -back holidays at home. And my sister's going home for Christmas. So I'm doing that one. Uh, but so like, I'm going to be here, no family and no partner. Uh, and so like, I, this is not the first time this has happened. Like when we were long distance in the early days of our relationship. And so like, this is, this is, not a thing that is new to me, but it is a thing I haven't done for a while. And I'm trying to decide, like, do I want to do, because I think, because I've 
thinking about the way in which the food is also about connecting to the memories and like remembering mm-hmm. the family but it's a lot of work to do if there's nobody really that's right, gonna right. be here yeah, and i am right. mostly gonna spend like the friday saturday sunday after thanksgiving like catching up on work so i don't know if i want a mountain of leftovers so i don't know just 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 find a, a place that will you know for 20 bucks or i don't know what the prices would be like in oh yeah no it's new york, york city, city. <laughs> oh, and, and the other thing is like you have to plate. pre-order all of those things basically now so if you want thanksgiving dinner like as a thing you can pick up on the day you kind of have to decide that today well there's a few hours left in the day so <laughs> there's that so but- i'm trying to decide so uh, you know whatever either way i'll eat on thursday it'll be fine Um, But I always have to remind myself that, like, it is a holiday, so, like, a lot of shit's going to be closed, so Mm -hmm. plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. But not grocery stores. Hmm. Well, friend, thank you for sharing, and, you know, I'll check in with you on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, and be like, hey, hey, girl, hey, girl, hey. And I will appreciate the love, but also, you know, like, I don't feel unloved. I do think maybe we could celebrate something cooler than this. And we will eventually well it seems like we've approached the last part of the podcast which is you know i always appreciate being in conversation with you james and all of your insights and all of your your knowledge and your meaning making and the way that you articulate things and just cut through the bullshit i really appreciate you and love you friend friend i love you i really do i i love thinking with you i love watching you think it's always such good fun. Uh, well, let's take jobs at University of Austin together. <laughs> I'm getting my cover letter drafted. It's I mean, it turns out you can keep your current one too. Second I'm, gig, side yeah, gig. Side gig, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gig economy, right? It, it's for us too. Anywho. Uh, well, James, I'll talk to you soon. Check in soon. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.